We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm John McKechnie. That is Mario Puig. Today we are unpacking our best ball portfolios, talking about players that we have the most of, the least of, guys we wish we had a little bit more exposure to, and maybe some guys that we wish uh, we weren't so in on earlier on in draft season. So a lot to unpack here. Uh, let's get it rolling. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. John McKechnie here hanging out uh, with Mario Puig. And Mario, we are a week away from the NFL season kicking off, which means best ball season is dying down, at least in the uh, in the regular terms, you know, the, the season-long tournaments, um, weekly winners, things like that. So I figured this would be a good time since we only have, you know, again, six, seven days uh, to finish out our best ball drafts be a good time to kind of take some stock and, and see where we're at, uh, see who we have the most of the least of and some FOMO um, a- as well. So I wanted to get us started here. Uh, if you've been listening to the show at all this off season, you know that I am, uh, I have a problem when it comes to drafting Chigo Conquo. I have a ton of Chigo Conquo. I'm going down with the ship. He is, Uh, my highest exposure player. I'm just filtering this to tournaments only over on underdog Um, 46% uh, um, for for old Chig Okonkwo over there. So um, starting, starting there, what are your thoughts on him now? How much exposure do you have uh, to Chig Okonkwo? Is this good or bad to have this much exposure? Well, I guess it helps to kind of clarify what your goals are as a best ball player. Like there are a lot of people more pro type sorts, I guess you'd say who do really big portfolios, really big buy-ins like thousands and thousands of dollars. That's not me. I'm just uh, not interested in it in a way. I'm not interested in it because I would have to take it more seriously and be more responsible with my exposure rates, which I hate doing. I, I want to be able to act on impulse and do whatever uh, seems fun to me at the time. So I, I kind of resent the place it takes me to where I have to start actually keeping track of the money that I'm putting in and, and like 
worry about the effect it might have on my finances or something. So uh, people who are more volume conscious and, and you know, very uh, keep, do a better job keeping track of their liabilities and everything. They tend to pursue exposure rates much less than what we end up with, John. They they tend to consider something a high exposure rate, even around like 12 or 15 percent. Whereas we're like, you know, I don't know if I have a player that I've picked that's under 12 percent. You know, like I, I, mm-hmm. I'm so uh, compulsive with my reasoning that I, I, I kind of um, just do the same thing over and over. So if I pick a player one time, I'm probably picking them at least five times or whatever it is. Uh, so 40% for Okonkwo is quite high, uh, especially by the standards of these more volume drafters. But I'm okay with it for the reasons that I said before. And granted, I guess I'm, in Okonkwo's case, a little biased, a little motivated to be uh, seeing it optimistically because I have him on 31.8% of my teams, which is also very, very high by most people's standards. However, I'm not worried about it at all. Uh, I think some of the concerns with the Conquo are overstated. The, the upsides with him have been completely drowned out of the narrative, which I don't understand why we would do that when he's the kind of athlete that he is. And he produced the way he did last year. Seems, seems weird to cross him off in my opinion. But uh, the, the other thing is it's easy to kind of, in my opinion, it's easy to, to not worry about a Conquo because he never cost very much. You know, he never, maybe at the peak this off season, he was going at something like the 11th, 12th round turn. Maybe, but it's generally more been the 12th, 13th round all along. So that's where a lot of people are taking their second tight end, you know? And if, if Okonkwo is not worth like a top 15 sort of tight end return, I'd be pretty shocked. It's, it's a low bar. I mean, it, we're only like two years removed from that one season where Logan Thomas was like the tight end four with 680 yards or something like that. So right. realistically, if you don't get Kelsey or Mark Andrews, uh, in my opinion, you're kind of punting at tight end. So is, as much as I take plenty of Kyle Pitts and a couple other guys in between, Kelsey, Andrews, and where Oconquo goes, I don't think I don't, I don't think anyone needs to like chase tight end points once Kelsey and Andrews are off the board. I, I just don't think it's realistic. I don't think so either. So I, I guess, again, the, the framing that's important to keep with, with Okonkwo is mo- more often than not, you're, you're taking him as your second um, tight end. And for me, um, he just kind of represents the, the, the end of the, of the road um, as far as bankable tight end assets, because uh, Laporta and Komet both come off the board um, right around there. And then once Okonkwo has gone, then you're talking about guys like Gerald Everett. You're taking a risk on, on Luke Musgrave. Hate Everett. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't like him either. Jake Ferguson, like, uh, I don't think that he's quite worth the 13th round ADP that that he seems to have been um, moving towards over the later part of draft season. Irv Smith, Dawson Knox, Taysom Hill, like, you know, like I don't want to have to worry about those guys and, and have to count on them whatsoever. So I feel like Okonkwo is the, the last really um, remaining viable tight end uh, where he goes in drafts. So that that's why I gravitate so much towards him uh, generally. I personally have punted at tight end quite a bit. So I have a Conquo as a tight end one on plenty of my teams. Oh, same. Usually, usually in those cases, I'm going with him and Juwan Johnson or Trey McBride in the last round. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I wish I had, you know, a Kelsey and Andrews on every team. But when the cost of doing so is I have to miss out on a 
you know, top 12 running back or whatever. It's hard for me to do it. And then I don't, I'm definitely not in on chasing Hawkinson. I'm not in on uh, Kittle unless he falls past ADP. If I don't get Pitts or like Goddard or somebody like that, I'm just saying to hell with it. I'm not going to take these, uh, you know, round nine and 10 tight ends. I'm not going to take the Dalton Schultzes of the world. It's like, I'm just going to hope that athleticism and, you know, six, seven touchdowns between uh, in each case of Aconquo and, and Juwan Johnson hopefully does enough at cost while uh, hopefully I nail my running back receiver picks enough in those earlier rounds to you know make up the difference. Yeah, I think so as well. So yeah, t- tight end is, is tricky this year. I think like you like you're saying, uh, once you get past those top two, it, it's hard to um, really feel safe, even with guys like Hawkinson um, and, and Kittle. Um, I, I ended up kind of getting stuck with Kittle in a uh, salary cap draft the other night. I was just Price enforcing the the tight end market seemed to be kind of soft in that room. So uh, someone was about to get him for I think fifteen dollars out of a two hundred dollar budget, and I was like, that that's too good of a buy. And I'm needed not even a Kittle guy, so I ended up uh, bidding up to seventeen. And that's where it stayed, and and so I ended up kind of having to reallocate some some resources and kind of change my my draft strategy on the fly. I did not um, intend to to walk away with George Kittle or spend that much on tight end generally, but. Just I took uh, my first Kittle share a few days ago, and it was because he, he – I don't I don't know if it was the eighth, uh, but it was at least the seventh that he fell to. It was something like 15 spots past ADP, so I was like, I guess it's now or never. Right, I- exactly. So that that's an important friend to, to keep um, when, when it comes to those guys. Um, who is your uh, most rostered player as far as exposure goes? Well – uh, again, this is not something I recommend for other people. This is this is me being completely irresponsible. But fifty nine point one percent Calvin Ridley. Uh, that's the that's the highest one for me, and I don't regret it at all or anything. You know, if, if something bad happens, whatever. It was. It, it's I hate having to to make picks, obviously based on factoring in the worst case scenarios or whatever. So for me, it was always just replaying the scenario of why is Calvin Ridley available, you know, at the, the third, fourth round turn, you know, it, it, earlier in the off season, especially is when I piled up a lot of those Ridley picks. Cause now he's going about a round and a half earlier than he was even something like a month and a half ago. So uh, I don't know how much lately I've taken. I, I've definitely kept doing it still, but it, uh, it's not as easily done as, as a couple months ago when I would take Ridley. Cause I, I just can't, I can't be faced with that question by you know the draft of do you, do you want to let someone else get ridley this late i was like no hell no never i don't i don't care it, you know I, I know he could get hurt or whatever i guess he could start gambling again or something but uh i can't bear the thought of letting one of these other guys in this draft getting calvin ridley around the fourth round i refuse to do it so that's how you end up with almost 60 percent exposure rate to a pretty expensive player yeah, that that's the uh, that's you wrote the book on it. That that's a thing of beauty. Um, I have a lot of Ridley myself, not not nearly at the sixty percent, but I'm right around thirty uh, percent. Definitely one of more my more uh, high exposure uh, wide receivers, uh, definitely, um, and especially among like the the players that go in the first uh, three four rounds. And and I've found myself be, being okay with taking him. Uh, if I'm if I'm picking in the late second round, and my my other options are like Devonte Smith, uh, T Higgins, DK Metcalf, like I'm I'm still it's just Ridley. Ridley. Yeah, yeah. 
And then he was going later than those guys at one point. So yeah, that was that was a, that was a bad uh, test for my like impulse control because I, I just every, every time I'd be taken and that he was there. Yep, and I, I'm gonna keep doing it. The rest of my uh, best ball drafts, I'm gonna continue to to get uh, that exposure because I, I like Ridley. Totally sold on him uh, for this year, and and again with with those other options, I, I'm it, I'm less. Uh, so inclined or, or, you know, you look at them and they're the number two receiver. Maybe it is a very good offense like the Eagles or the Bengals, but I want that number one. Uh, I want the number one for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I like getting Trevor Lawrence a few rounds later. So yeah, um, it, it just, it all comes together nicely. Um, let's see my, the rest of my top five is Marvin Mims uh, at 34%. Mike Williams at 30.8. Uh, Damian Harris at 26.9 and Garrett Wilson at 26.9. And this is uh, for, for tournaments. That's pretty high on uh, Garrett Wilson, which I, I wish I had more of him. I, I only have, um, I don't know, something smaller, like eight to 10% because generally you have to take him in the first round, but love to love to get him where he tends to go. So uh, I, I like that pick quite a bit. The only way that I'm a little different from you here, aside from, you know, Wilson, I guess it was taking probably Chubb and Jonathan Taylor players like that, where, where I would have otherwise needed to take Wilson to get more than I did. Uh, Damian Harris is the only guy of that group that I haven't taken a bunch otherwise, because um, I like the player. I think he's clearly a better running back than James Cook. It's just the the health thing. I didn't know what to make of. And uh, I guess I was taking a Conquo where I would need to take Harris, something like that. So, I don't have so much Harris. I'll see. I'll try to look that up right now. Uh, oh God! Apparently, I have not picked him. Uh, oh. I, my only my only Harris share is Najee. <laughs> so uh, one time. So yeah, that that's uh th- that's something that could be a little painful for me. If I guess it would be what is it? Algier was probably there quite a bit. Algier and um, I, don't know, I guess I might have taken like Deontay Foreman over Harris. Something like that even might have happened. I don't particularly recall it, but just trying to remember who tends to go in that range. Harris could pretty easily lead the Bills in touchdowns from scrimmage this year. And to be clear, that that would not be passing touchdowns. Josh Allen will, of course, lead them in all-around touchdowns. But touchdowns from scrimmage, you know, if, if Diggs finishes the year with eight receiving touchdowns, Harris could finish with nine or ten rushing touchdowns. And uh, in best ball especially, got, oh, Rashad Penny, that's the other one. Yeah, Rashad Penny and Damian Harris are kind of like the same thing this year. Good luck guessing when they'll do anything on a weekly basis, starting them ahead of time. But in best ball, you know, they 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 get the ball to point B, you know, and it's it's gonna happen at some point. Yeah, it takes care of itself. I, I will say that um with, with Harris it, and when when we get to the players that we might have too much of, I I think that he fits that that bill for me. But I think at the same time, um if we were doing this podcast, breaking down our portfolios like a month, month and a half ago, um the percentage for for Harris probably would have been in the forties. So I've largely put a freeze because it just hasn't sounded like it's been the, the best uh, training camp for him. It's going but, okay. He just, he missed like a couple weeks, but it's like, they have to use him. James cook. I'm sorry. Cannot play that much. So if, if the bills are scoring points, Harris is a good bet to get in on it. I mean, at 15 on something like 205 carries with the Patriots a couple years ago, it suits him. It doesn't suit cook. So I, I think you'll be fine. It's like, he would have to kind of, just get hurt basically uh to, yeah. to not be a decent return but for what it's worth my mims uh share percentage is 22.7 
Mike Williams, 27.3. So I'm, I'm definitely high on those guys. Love it. Love it. Um, so I, I guess rounding it out with, with Harris, um, the theory is, is very simple. It's, it's very in line with, with what you were kind of outlining. I view him as basically uh, discount David Montgomery where you have um, a running back who's starting that, you know, should be, you know, able to catch a lot of passes, things like that, but they can't really move the pile. And if it's an offense that's going to be scoring a lot of touchdowns, at least we expect, maybe the lines regress a little bit this year. But I think, the, and I, I think, yeah, frankly, I think the Bills might be in danger of regressing a little bit, but I, I still think that the you offense too. is going to be good enough to where, you know, if, if Harris is that primary goal line guy and, and Latavius Murray doesn't uh, ruin my dreams, uh, then I, I feel like Harris pay, pays off of that ADP pretty easily. Yeah, uh, I guess I would say I'd be surprised if if uh, Harris caught anywhere near as many passes as Montgomery. I think Gibbs and Montgomery are both going to catch passes for the Lions. But you know, Har- again, Harris has a certain objective level of returns for, for as a rusher in particular, and that it's it's something the Bills need to be as competitive as they want to be. They're not going to get it from James Cook. No, they, they're not. Um, and we've we've been over that. The people know our, our official stance on one James Cook. Um, before we move on to, to players that we have uh, faded, um, any other uh, high exposure guys that you wanted to touch on? Yeah, again, I, I have way too many high exposure players. So um, uh, let's see. I have Khalil Shakir on 54.5% of teams somehow. And uh, the how there is basically I'd get him in the last two rounds all the time. And I just don't care about most players that are still available at that point. I don't even know who I'd it's like it, it'd have to be uh, guys like Hunter Renfro and maybe Rashid Shahid and stuff like that. And my reasoning was kind of um, chasing upside, I guess, because as much as you're seeing these reports from Joe Biscaglia, who I, I know is a, a good reporter the premier bills reporter probably uh, has been saying like Trent Sherfield's been getting ahead of Shakir in camp. And that's one of those things. If the bills try it, they'll quickly be given reason to stop it. And, the, and they'll, they'll like they risk losing games over it. If they go that way, because Sherfield just can't do anything. I mean, I'm sorry. He's a special teams player and uh, Khalil Shakir, big volume producer at Boise state ran the four, four, three, totally decent, totally decent rookie year. And he is capable of swing backup utility. So if if either of Stefan Diggs or Gabe Davis misses time, it's Shakir that they need to step up because Sherfield just point blank isn't going to give them anything. Like you, you can think he's doing something productive, Ken Dorsey. You will learn through the outcomes this year that you suppose wrong. And yep. it's a long season. Prospects with uh, Shakir's traits almost always work out. So especially since it's best ball 17 game season nowadays. I, I I'm okay with it. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, if, if my season goes badly, it probably won't be because of Shakir, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think so too. So, I mean, again, with those later round guys, I think it's totally justifiable to, to have the higher exposure because you know, that you're, you're, you know, kind of dumpster diving a little bit at that stage and you're trying to find, something with, with plausible upside or, or something that to where you think um, maybe they, they get into my starting lineup a handful of times this season and, and go from there. Uh, we just got a question from our friend NBA rigged uh, asking 
what our exposure rates are on one Travis Etienne. It, mine is not crazy high in tournaments. I'm going to zoom out and see if it's um, a little bit higher in, uh, with, with sit and goes um, added on, but it's only about 10% actually um, with, with Etienne. So um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm light on him, I, I guess, upon further analysis. You were probably taking a lot more Najee Harris where you would otherwise need to take Etienne. So like, whereas I have only one share of Harris, uh, Etienne is on 27.3% of my teams. So uh, the, the only way I get Harris higher than that is to, you know, lessen the, the Etienne uh, number, which I, I understand. I, I totally, you know, sympathize with the, the Harris case. It's not like I'm eager to fade the guy. It's just uh a, I believe in ETN. Uh, B, I would, I would, I would feel like a fraud if I was, you know, hyping a player and didn't put my money where my mouth is. For what it's worth, I always do. I'm too stupid to do anything else. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I have full faith in ETN. If it goes wrong, it's because he got hurt. Point blank. I'm sorry. Bigsby is a backup. That's what he's going to be. Yeah. So I, I think yeah. Now, now that we look a little bit further etn is going to be a guy that um i'm going to prioritize the the rest of of draft season um and and drew um this is a sample for for me i'm i'm north of 50 uh drafts so that that might seem like a lot to some and and to others it might seem like uh you know wolf of wall street you gotta you gotta pump up the those numbers those are rookie numbers sorry which player is this oh i'm uh we had a question for from oh how many teams you have oh okay yeah that one uh, uh, I have, a... um, yeah, I have 22 in the best ball mania and like 20 before the draft, something like that. Okay. So with roughly similar, uh, uh team, uh, yeah, some and... people, some people do like literally, you know, max entry every single contest. And for what it's worth, I, you know, I, I am well short of that kind of, uh, that kind of playing. Uh, yeah, I, I simply do not have the, the Skrilla. Uh, to to run around like that, uh, Drew also big fan of of your uh, YouTube uh, thumbnail picture, Grateful Dead Ravens uh, mashup. Uh, <laughs> nice. Talk to me in 2020. I would have been uh, just going over which live show from the 70s, uh, whether whether or not that one at Cornell actually happened, something like that. I think there's some deep lore there. I don't know much about the Grateful Dead, but. Um... I saw that that yeah got a bunch of records they, they they sure do um and I, I like their their iconography um let's go ahead and and on that note speaking of uh the grateful dead uh now and jam bands just kidding um we got a message from our friends over at fan tracks for you fantasy football players out there is there something you wish your fantasy league had or features that are missing from your current league's bonus scoring custom schedules or playoffs deeper team settings will look no further because we have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Keep a note, yeah, they got best ball over there. Create or join a fantasy football commissioner league. Invite your friends and dominate your draft this season. Fantrax is the top dynasty fantasy football platform in the industry. Coming from another service, not a problem. Fantrax can easily import your leagues, your current leagues, and rosters and customize if needed. Ever have a trade go wrong or make a mistake in dropping a player? Fantrax Commissioner Tools allow you to undo any move with one simple click. If there's anything lacking in your current fantasy league manager, Fantrax likely 
has it. Fantrax is running a special promotion that you don't want to miss. Sign up for free at Fantrax.com slash RotoWire today to enter for your chance to win tickets to any regular season NFL game for you and your entire league, plus $6,000 in spending cash. That's right. Tickets for your entire league. Simply create a new league or bring over your existing leagues for more chances to win. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash RotoWire and sign up today. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Again, you can find all that promotional info at Fantrax.com slash RotoWire. Also got a message from our friends over at Rival Fantasy. If you're looking for a place to play head-to-head fantasy football games without the huge tournament salary caps or complicated game types, then Rival Fantasy is where you want to play this season. From a twist on a classic game with Fantasy Bingo, where players generate a lineup to complete achievements and get bingo, to head-to-head fantasy challenges where you'll pick which of two players will score more fantasy points, this is the best of fantasy sports. For the 2023 NFL season, Rival Fantasy is offering new users a $200 deposit match plus a $25 first play voucher. Rival Fantasy is so confident you'll love the experience. They're giving you money to play right out of the gate. Experience the future of fantasy sports on Rival Fantasy and become a rival today. All right, Mario. We just looked at the top of our list, guys, that we have a ton of shares of in best ball. Let's go the other direction. Let, let's see uh, who we, we find we are uh, light on uh, for this upcoming season. I'll start with two pretty primo receivers. They, they go in, in different rounds, but they, they both go inside the top 30 picks. I have all of one Stefan Diggs share, and I have no DK Metcalf. Yeah, I wish I had more digs as well. I only have one share, which uh, I must have just had an incredible run of avoiding, uh, what is it, the seventh, maybe eighth pick. Like, I must have just mm-hmm. never got those two picks because in uh, the second half of the first round, I'm pretty confident my most selected player is Nick Chubb. But even I would not have I don't even know if I would have a single time taken Chubb over Diggs. like Diggs to me is close to a top five player. Uh, so, and at the same time, I'm pretty sure I haven't taken Kelsey over Diggs a whole lot. Uh, yeah, I have, I have one share of Kelsey too, which I assume I took at, um, six or seven and presumably with Diggs already off the board. So I, uh, I, I don't know what to do about that. I wish I had more. Maybe that's, maybe that's why I was taking so many Shakir and, uh, Deontay Hardy shares. Like on some level, I was just, uh, sensing, uh, 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 latently sensing that I didn't have enough digs and was like chasing uh, the, the next closest thing I could think of. I don't know, but digs is a top six player to me. I think he's, he's just too cheap. And if it, if it were more like an auction format, I'd probably have ended up with more because I, I definitely have him ranked well ahead of some of the receivers that he goes ahead of. Even I, I feel like I've seen like St. Brown and some other players, like maybe even CD lamb go ahead of digs a couple times. And every time that happens, I'm like, Oh, I wish, why am I not team nine? Why am I always somewhere else when this happens? Uh, because I, I would have liked to have digs closer to, let's see. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the percentage would need to be because it, it's that it, it needs to be that very particular range of the first round again, uh, basically six through eight. But I kind of wish I had digs closer to something like 10 or 12%. I don't know. I, for whatever reason, I feel okay with, with being light on digs this year. Um, I think having just one share is probably not ideal. Um, but I, I just feel like the, the bills 
might be teetering a little bit, might take a, a step back this year. The rest of the division, if it stays healthy, I think is going to be um, a much tougher uh, test for them. That they, they got to play the first place schedule, you know. So um, I, I just feel like something something is amiss with with Buffalo this year, and and um, you know when when it comes to uh, drafting in the first round, like I'm more attuned to take um, Austin Eckler if he falls there, um, or AJ Brown even. Um, and I, I would take Diggs over CeeDee Lamb or, or Amon Ross St. Brown, especially in, in the half-point PPR type of format like, like Underdog has. Um, I, I get the case for Diggs, but, you know, for, for better or for worse, I'm going to be light on him this year. I think if you feel that way about Diggs, uh, you should definitely take the under on, like, the Bills' season win total because... I am. If, if Diggs is anything less than... 1250 even 1250 i think that you're talking some painful stretches for the bills offense they need him to be around something like 1400 yards with plus efficiency or else their whole blueprint falls apart i think exactly it's very very contingent on, on him uh performing and, and playing and everything because you know the the rest of the receivers like are, are talented but they can't carry an offense the, the way that Diggs can so um yeah, things would, would definitely go sideways in, in that case, but I I, I am uh, leveraged on on the Bills um, under for for this year. It's ten and a half, which makes me feel wow, that's but pretty low, don't you think? It, it is. It, I was surprised to see see it open that low and and stay there. I I, I would have figured that eleven or eleven and a half, you know, just like the the Eagles, um, in in the Chiefs. Um, I'm surprised to see them down just a little bit, but um, I, I guess I agree though. I mean, I I. I think Diggs is so good, and uh, that's basically the reason that I'm that I'm still interested. But I don't like a number of the things that they've done from a team building perspective. Uh, I will give them this though: the more they play Deontay Hardy, the better, uh, because it, the more they put Dalton Kincaid on the field instead, uh, that 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 makes the field very small for the defense. Like Diggs, you, you're putting a safety over the top of him every play anyway. And in doing so, you remove the one big play threat that they have on the field. I know I think Gabe Davis is a good big play threat, but it's like he needs so much time to get to the depths that they tend to use him at that it makes a kind of just a harrowing setup for Josh Allen. But Deontay Hardy in the slot instead of Kincaid, that second safety has to pay attention now to that rep in the slot. Whereas with K with Kincaid, they're only paying attention because they're like I just got to keep him ahead of the chains and then we're good. Yeah. Whereas with Hardy, it's like, you got to be real careful. So uh, the more they play him, the better they, I think they'll go. But, uh, the, you know, with Brandon being so invested in James cook and Kincaid to make him look good, I bet he's going to lean on the coaches to put some of their lesser players on the field. Could be, could be. And um, shot, no Metcalf for me. None. No. So that, you know, it's not that we hate the player, but um, you know, th- in Very the third expensive. round, yeah. Like I'm again, I'm taking Ridley. Or a lot of the times um, earlier this this off season, thir- get to mid late third round. Maybe I started with two receivers. Like I'm getting Ramondre Stevenson or Travis Etienne, something like that um, instead. So he just never really entered my draft plans. I, I just when when I tar- when I'm thinking about my um, early round picks. Um, I, I wonder if their best season is behind them or is it coming up? And I feel like in Metcalf's case, you know, it, it, I could be wrong here, but maybe he's already had his, his best season. I'm, I'm not sure that he can, uh, you know, outperform it with, with Geno Smith. And then you also have Lockett and eventually Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
um, in the mix there. Maybe they've run the ball a little bit more this year. So there's just enough there for me to to just kind of be be out on Metcalf in best ball this year. Particularly on underdog where it's half point PPR, this is kind of a dead zone for receivers for me. Even Higgins, I'm not super psyched to take. Just That's more because of the incredibly inflated wide receiver market due to all the, the zero running back people that are out there now. Uh, it's just like a market reality that, that someone like Higgins goes in the top 27. But uh, I kind of want to opt out of that range. Before I was taking Ridley when I was there. Now he's too high in the order to keep doing it. So I kind of opt out in that range. And it's not until DJ Moore and uh, Mike Williams that I get interested again. At Keenan Allen, I would be in full point PPR. But he's like, what is, what is like 15 points exactly every single week doing for me in, in half point PPR? You know, like that's that, that's not worth a top three pick, in my opinion. And whereas, you know, Williams and Moore, they can get touchdowns. They can get big plays. So, uh, yeah, I've kind of I've, even with guys like Ramondre taking a hit with, you know, the, the Elliott signing, I tend to go back to running back when I when I end up in the order uh, any later than Ridley at receiver. It's just like I, I just don't see any difference between the next eight guys for the most part. I do like taking uh, Mark Andrews in, in the third. Oh, yeah, well. Andrews. So, yeah. so I just have too many too many faves uh, in that range. And, and Metcalf just sorry, you kicked out of the club. Not, Andrews not is a guy I wish I had more of because um, I assumed I, I just kind of I just kind of uh, what would you say I I um I, I just was kind of turned away by the price initially I just kind of reflexively moved away from it because I didn't like the idea of having to spend a third round pick on a tight end but uh, as much as I think Andrews's share of the the targets in Baltimore is about to go down maybe even a lot. So is the size the, the size of the pie is going to get so much bigger. I, like I mentioned before, uh, Lamar Jackson, as of a couple of weeks ago, had an over under of something like thirty four ninety for passing yards. If he plays seventeen games, Lamar's getting to forty three hundred this year pretty easily, I think. And Andrews could have like a twelve hundred yard season, so that would hurt for me because I, I don't have any Andrews and I, I, you know, if I, if I draft any more teams, I'm probably going to go specifically for a little bit more of him. Well, love me some Andrews. And I think what's nice and it doesn't always work out this way, but if you, if you're picking late third round, you can like, get, and Andrews is still available. There's a pretty good chance that you can end up getting Lamar on the, on the back end in the early um, part of round four. The, the real question of course is, um, is he still there for you with like the the ninth or tenth pick in in the third round, uh, Mario? We do we do have some interesting questions in the chat that I, I wanted to uh, bring up. NBA rigged uh, active today, um, asking about Cortland Sutton. You know, we, knowing what we know about Jerry Judy, obviously Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler as well. Um, do you feel like you should be drafting more Cortland Sutton right now? Are you happy with the exposure that that you have or? Um, as he astutely adds on to this question, would you just still go with Marvin Mims? So I haven't done a draft since the, the the prognosis for Judy came out, and I'm not aware of how high Mims might be going in the last couple of days. If Mims is going in the first 10 rounds or something, that's probably too much. It, it was always easy to make the call on Mims because before he was going like the 13th, 14th, 15th, whatever. So at those prices, it's kind of... Um, you know, it's 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 not worth fretting over so many of the details, but 
first 10 rounds or something, that's probably too much. Uh, I do have Sutton safe, safely ranked ahead of Mims, although even I'm kind of surprised at how closely I've got them at this point. I have Sutton on a few teams, 13.6%. I am... Uh, I'm not really moved in either direction by that. Like I, I'm not trying to get more. I'm getting bad vibes about the Broncos again. Um, <laughs> I, I think there's there's uh, there's rot that goes quite a bit deeper than just Nathaniel Hackett and uh, into the front office even hell maybe ownership. I don't know, but uh, I'm getting really bad vibes from the Broncos and I don't really want to pay a premium price for anybody on that team. So Mims being relatively cheap is, is kind of what made him preferable for me. And so we'll, we'll see what his price rises to, but if it gets too high, same rule will apply for me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm at a point where I'm, I'm good with not having any more uh, Marvin Mims. He went in the 10th round in my most recent best ball mania, which I, I believe I drafted Tuesday night. That's pushing um, it, it. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I did not end up with him on that team. Man, that team um, looks like it's going to be bad. I know I keep saying like their, their roster uh, just kind of doesn't look very good. And the defense is going to get a lot worse without a Vera there. Uh, yeah, I I think so as well. So I mean, that uh, it's just an ugly p- potential setup again. Okay, with with Mims where he's been going in the tenth round, you can probably jump off the the rocket ship at that Love point. Love the player too. He's gonna be really good. I think so as well. And then uh, Sutton uh, goes early eighth round um, in in that most yeah. recent one. Not terribly interested in that. Even I still believe in Sutton. To be clear, I just. I, I don't trust anything about the Broncos. And whereas earlier in the offseason, I kind of just assumed, oh, well, Sean Payton will make things quite a bit better. I'm starting to question that. I I, I wonder if Sean Payton is coming in with a little bit too much uh, presumption, a little too much, um, too high of an opinion of himself and not enough uh, worry about whether he's doing enough. I, I, I think he might be in for a bit of a rude awakening. Is it? It won't be quite like uh, Joe Gibbs's return, but um, he had success, or at least like wild card success when he. Uh, what was like they were making like the wild card round with Brad Johnson or whatever the and, hell. Uh, Todd Collins, maybe. Or, although I, I might be, I know they made the playoffs with Todd Collins. Patrick Ramsey. That guy could throw the ball. Yeah, uh, yeah. Could explain this quarterback, you. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I was I was trying to think of somebody that it reminded me of, and I. I mean, the 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 most most often you'll see Peyton's return likened to play uh, to coaches like Joe Gibbs and Bill Parcells, and I don't think he's going to have nearly as much success as either one. At least not this year. Uh, if they had more talents, I could see it more easily, but they're going in the wrong direction. Yeah, it's he's taken over a roster that you know I think it was oversold going into last year, where the, you know the whole narrative for for years. Um, basically since Peyton Manning retired is uh, it's a good roster. They're quarterback away and they get Russ and they are putrid. And now they have uh, neither thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, yeah. Like one of my absolute favorite stats from last season is, is like, they would have had a winning record if they averaged even 20 points a game. Oh, they would have, they would have like, they would have uh, probably been the, the third or fourth best record in the AFC if they scored 20 points a game. They would have had a winning record with something like 18.1 points per game. It it yeah. So I I was overdoing it at 20. It just would have taken 18. So just something get like those that. six field goals, man. That's all you need. Um 
Another question, this one uh, in regards to Baltimore's receivers. I think that this is an interesting one because it, all three of them go in in what, like probably like a three-round range, something like that. Zay Flowers has, has kind of safely pulled um, ahead of the pack. And by extension, I have the least uh, amount of Zay Flowers among this three, but I still have a pretty healthy um, amount. I'm at 13% for him, uh, for Beckham. I'm at 19%. And with Bateman, I think by function of him being the cheapest all summer, uh, I'm at 25% with Bateman. I wish I had more Bateman. I only have 22.7, which by conventional reasoning is more than enough. But I just think Bateman's clearly the best one of the three. So with Flowers going earliest of them, I really wanted to hammer that. I, I wanted to, you know, in theory, get leverage on the field because if, if people are paying seventh eighth round for flowers and bateman's going in the ninth sometimes he was going to the 10th before he returned to practice i just i, I wish i had gotten close to 40 percent there I, I i really think there was a big opportunity there flowers is a good prospect but i'm sorry he's not as good as bateman and it's not close i know it's entertaining highlights with flowers but their production profiles but the production profiles between rashad bateman and, and flowers are so clearly distinguished i i just uh I think it's only for the lack of visible reminder that Bateman has faded in people's, um, what do you call it, like memory, basically. Because if you look at his per snap numbers and if you look at his broader prospect profile, it's there's a reason why he was a first rounder. And I don't think as much that Flowers was. I mean, Flowers, they're going to regret taking over Addison. I don't have any qualms with, with saying so. Uh, with that said, uh, Flowers, you know, especially if Beckham gets hurt as often as he has tended to, if Bateman's foot flares up, Flowers will have to do a lot. Uh, I just I'm glad that I have zero exposure at his current price. Uh, let's see. I, I've I think I've gone gone full circle with Zay Flowers because he's someone that I've been interested in um, since his freshman season, like two games yeah. in at, at Boston college. It's like, how's this get, this guy's doing like 20 yards of touch and like everyone else in this. I mean, it, it was like akin to like the wide receiver version of Jameer Gibbs at, at Georgia tech, um, where it's just like that all of like the offense goes through this guy and he he's ridiculously efficient. Um, so huge fan of his. And then, you know, you get to the draft this year. Um, the general skepticism that I think Ravens fans, have with uh their ability to scout receivers like you said with with uh the difference between him and addison i, I do think addison the better prospect as well but um so flowers is a, probably more versatile i mean you can do more uh what would you call it like not gadget things but uh, more slot traffic kind of plays i mean addison's totally comfortable playing in traffic but he's not really built to, to keep pushing your luck in that part of the field. Whereas at least flowers is built more stout at a five, nine, one eighty two or whatever. I just think he's, he's like, he's, he's a kind of a wide receiver three to me in the NFL, because I, I don't think he can threaten uh, with volume downfield. And I, I don't believe that is uh, he, he was actually below the baseline for Boston college at a couple points in the past couple of years. And his target competition was always Hunter long and like, a guy who transferred to Bowling Green as a fifth-year player and was their fourth receiver there. So 
I I hate when I how how in the tape there are so many plays that take forever to develop where it's like four part processes to free him up specifically, which is, was a very good strategy by Boston College. He, he was their only option to produce, but it's it's just different than getting that usage in a more uh, in structure organic way. So uh, I think Flowers is going to be more entertaining than efficient, or certainly certainly more entertaining than predictably productive because if Beckham and Bateman are healthy. It, even as someone who is clearly low on flowers compared to most people, I would say it's borderline unfair to expect them to outproduce players like that right off the bat, given their respective experience levels. Like I, I would not try to say, look how right I am about flowers if he starts slow this year, because it's just it's uh, it, he he should start slow. It would like require or not require injury to one of the other guys, but it, the most likely explanation in my opinion if flowers starts fast is that bateman or beckham missed snaps here or there mm-hmm. uh, i'm of the belief that that yeah he'll, he'll be probably the number four um option in terms of targets in this offense but i, I think what he can do after the catch if you just get the ball in his hands like it, it's it looks like he has legitimate ability at the nfl level uh with, with that um the quickness the the short area stuff i, I think is Really good. Might not have shown up quite as much at the combine uh, to to underscore that, but my eyes tell me that that he's someone that um, is going to do some pretty electrifying stuff uh, once he has the ball in his hands. But like you said, uh, that the volume might be frustratingly um, inconsistent for him. Um, one more question here, and then we're gonna uh, move on to our next topic. Uh, KJ uh, wants to know. Uh, how we see Zeke doing this year um, in full PPR. I think Elliot will play about 25 snaps a game, 20 snaps a game, and he's just going to be a true backup to Stevenson. Uh, you know, Stevenson needs a breather. Uh, whatever Stevenson gets nicked up, they'll give Elliot the ball quite a bit in that case, but the there's nothing that Elliot does better than Stevenson at this point. Maybe blitz pickup. I don't have a good sense of how much Stevenson does blitz pickup. Obviously Stevenson's good as a pass catcher. Uh, he has an advantage over Elliot by quite a bit there. So if Elliot's taking passing down snaps, I, oops, I don't think he's doing it so much at the expense of Stevenson's usage. It's more like on passing plays where Elliot's in the Patriots are trying maybe deeper drops, you know, trying, trying to find a play downfield. Uh, in which case Elliot can pick up the blitz and get that extra time. But if they're trying to make a route, if they're trying to put a route on the field, that's a viable target opportunity. They have to go with Stevenson. I, I think so as well. So I think Zeke, where he goes in, in best ball. Really good handcuff. Not, yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, there will be probably enough rushing touchdowns for Zeke for, for him to uh, be somewhat of a worthwhile late round target, but like you're not like excited about like g- gathering a bunch of Zeke shares. I don't think I kind of, I'm I'm glad with the ones that I got. Cause he was going around. I want to say something like the 15th or 16th round for a lot of the off season. And uh, even though I, I like a player like Jalen Warren as a handcuff, you know, someone who can actually replace Najee Harris. If the playing time opens up, I would much rather have Elliot, as far as that category goes in the 15th than Warren in the ninth or 10th. So uh, Elliot's Elliot's a really good uh, glue guy this year. If you, especially if you got him at those earlier prices, in my opinion, mm-hmm. but 
yeah, even even that goal line stuff, I, I don't think he takes from Stevenson as much as he takes what's left after Stevenson. I see. So Stevenson's still going to be the, the primary goal line guy, at least. Unless hopefully. he keeps fumbling. Yeah, got to cut that out. Uh, that that does. Uh, Bill Belichick doesn't seem to, to like that um, too much. Um, before we get on over to our next topic, we got a message from our friends over at Fantasy Sports Knockout. Think you've got fantasy football figured out? Think again. Introducing Fantasy F- Sports Knockout, a new survivor league that's worth the challenge. A season-long tournament where every week matters. Strategize, draft, survive. High effort, but even higher stakes. Because who likes losing? Draft your lineup, use players you want, but be careful. You can only use each player once. The lowest scoring entry is eliminated each week. The concept is simple. Survival is not. Stop losing, start surviving in the only league where skills are tested and strategy pays off. Learn more at survive.fantasysportsknockout.com slash rotowire. Again, that's survive.fantasysportsknockout.com slash rotowire. Fantasy Sports Knockout is available for real money in certain states, but anyone can play in a user-created league. So if you think you know fantasy, prove it. Visit survive.fantasysportsknockout.com slash rotowire today. We also have a message from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get to the the FOMO uh, section uh, of this particular episode. Guys that we wish uh, that we had more shares of. Uh, Mario, would you care to to lead us off? Who are you light on that you wish you had some more of? Well, some of those guys that we talked about already, like Diggs and Andrews, but uh, similar to the category of of Diggs, I guess, Devontae Adams, I only ended up with him on, it looks like, one of my teams. Uh, I got scared a little bit, of course, by the, the Jimmy Garoppolo foot thing. If it hadn't been for that, I probably would have been taking Devontae Adams something like the top eight all along. And, uh, yeah, in a way, I'm asking myself now, it's like, wh- why didn't I? And I can't really come up with an answer that makes me feel better about it it'll it'll be easy hindsight obviously if if garoppolo's foot does become a problem but if it doesn't i'm probably just gonna be wondering like why the hell didn't i take Devonte adams a bunch of those times like what, what did i think was gonna happen he would get only six targets in a game like even mm-hmm. if it's even if it's like brian hoyer i mean 14 targets or whatever is is gonna do enough so yeah Devonte adams uh along with Diggs, mark andrews uh, is definitely up there. I'm trying to think of another one who's not so uh, cost prohibitive that I that I, I if I missed out on, I just kind of have no good excuse for it kind of thing. And um, I'm having more trouble f- figuring out something like that. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's yeah, it's pretty much just digs at receiver or sorry, digs and um, Adams at receiver for the most part. Maybe Garrett Wilson too. Like I. I had something like 16 or 20% Garrett Wilson before the NFL draft. I can't remember what he was going at back then. I, I, I guess I have to assume he was going a little later than he does now. Maybe there was some ambiguity about Rogers back then. I can't remember. But uh, since then, I only have one share again. So uh, I would like to have more than that. I only have 4.5% Wilson, Diggs, and Adams each. And I, I don't like any of that. That, yeah, that those are those are all guys that, that could definitely um, pop th- this year for for me. Um, some some of those early round or early round for one of these, more mid round for for the other. Um, I think I only have like one or two Joe Burrow teams, and I'm personally okay with that one. I thought he was going a little high, uh, and I know part of it's just that he goes that high because Jamar Chase goes second or third in every single draft and every single time the person who takes chase wants to get burrow as well so uh you kind of just you have to go wherever that third round pick is going for that team in question and waiting until the fourth it's really easy to miss burrow uh but yeah even before the calf thing i mean i i have herbert just point blank at or above burrow so when when herbert was going uh, earlier this offseason i want to say he was going almost like a round maybe a round and a half later than burrow they're a little closer now uh but yeah burrow i don't have a whole lot of it's it's quite simply the case that i i only have burrow when i took chase yeah that, that 
yeah, if I don't have the the correlated Chase or, or Higgins, and um, I don't have really much of Higgins at all this year, um, Me so that so that that I, I TBD on 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 how I feel about that one. I love Higgins, but I just I uh, if I got to take him in the top twenty seven picks, and especially now, and I, I don't know what kind of shape Burrow is going to be in for week one. It's it's a high price to pay to find out. I I think so too, and and again, like the the quarterbacks that go um, in Burrow's range or or a little bit after, like Herbert or or Trevor Lawrence, like I'm just more inclined to take one of those guys and and take I don't know someone like a Mike Williams in in the fourth round um, when possible. So um, yeah, I just end up being light on Burrow. Um, some other guys that that um, I'm 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 surprisingly light on Jahan Dotson. Um, I I felt like I would have had more um, in my early best ball exposures. It, it's closer to twenty, but I only have eight uh, percent uh, now. So I think he's he's another guy that I'm going to try to prioritize um, here over these next few days as best ball season uh, wraps up. Yeah, I probably would have had more Dotson if I knew Ron Rivera was going to destroy Terry McLaurin's toe, so he could impress the new ownership group with a preseason victory. But uh, yeah, I had been almost, um, you know, I, what was it that I have McLaurin at? Uh, nothing prohibitive, but um, yeah, if I, if I thought McLaurin's going into week one with a turf toe, I would have been like, oh, I got to I got to get some Jahan Dotson because I, I definitely like the player quite a bit. Yeah, I think I think Dotson, um, a definite year two breakout candidate. I think you could also argue that um, what he did as a rookie was it was totally underrated relative to. Um, yeah, some, some of the other rookies in his class, you know, I think Olave and Wilson had better years and, and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're great and, you know, they are better fantasy assets for, for this year and everything, but I feel like Dotson on, on a per play basis was, was really darn good. And I don't feel like it gets quite recognized enough. So I feel like, uh, he, he's a favorite of the, of, uh, my receivers that I take, um, in that part of the draft that, that eighth. Uh, ninth round area and I, I guess more often than not I've I've ended up uh, I guess maybe taking more Quentin Johnston uh, at, over the course of this offseason uh, that Would than you? Dotson I don't that doesn't sound quite like you to me then I don't, I don't know, know who, who my guy is then uh, but yeah, I, I, I think, um, I would, I would definitely prefer Dotson over Johnston. And even though I like Johnston, uh, he, he doesn't profile as a rapid target hog, especially in that underneath an intermediate, whereas Dotson, uh, not exactly built as a traditional downfield threat, not a jump ball build traditionally, but he can threaten at all depths of the field. Yeah, no, he, he absolutely can. And uh, as we all know, Sam Howell's going to going to crush this year. So that's my uh, that's I have him tied for first with a, how will I do at twenty seven point three percent? That's what I'm talking about. Right on. I'd like yeah, to think I, all of those were in the uh, later part, but I I, I have to be honest. I, t- I took him in like the 15th a couple times, too. No shame in that game. Uh, so Sam Howell, we'll I have 24 uh, percent of. Stroud at 21, Lamar at 20, uh, Trevor at 17, and, and Kirk Cousins at 15. I have more Cousins than I planned to ahead of time. Uh, some of it was influenced by the amount of Jordan Addison that I have, which I, I have quite a bit. Yeah, I have Addison on 36.4% of my teams. So uh, I, I have 
Cousins is something like my fourth quarterback behind Howell, Deshaun Watson, uh, Trevor. And I, yeah, that, then I have Cousins after those four. So he's number five. Okay, I feel feel better about that. My uh, my cousins um, shares in that case. Um, some other uh, you know top ten round type of guys, top five um, in in this particular case. Uh, I don't have enough DJ Moore, and I feel queasy about that. And I don't have a lot of Aaron Jones, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, I wish I had more of both of those guys. Uh, Jones, man, for I've. I've I've gone into so many drafts targeting him in that uh, fifth round because it's uh, one of those cases where I feel like I see him falling every time I'm not in a position to take him. And then every time where I'm trying to line it up, someone takes him uh, right right before I can. So Jones is, is someone that I, I really like and have always liked. I think he's clearly a uniquely good runner. So maybe I'll have to if, like if I could just if I could just have like my shares go down, share percentage go down for one player and then uh, put all of that toward another player in the same range, I'd probably try to lessen some of my, some player that I've been picking in that fifth round range and turn it into Jones, but I just haven't been able to get the exact 80, uh, the exact draft order in my own team slotting to line up perfectly, which is uh, irritating. No, yeah, no, absolutely. Because yeah, Jones is a good player. We know that maybe they run the ball a little bit more. Um, I I think all told, I'd probably take Damian Pierce over him maybe, but um, I, among those other guys um, that go in that range, I mean, I, I think Jones is totally fine. I, I guess I, I've just found myself uh, either waiting on running back there or taking Damian Pierce. The basic issue uh, for me is that I have Jones projected only a little bit behind Travis Etienne, and I would like my share uh, distribution to be more reflective of that than my like pick order circumstances. Because I got twenty seven point three of Etienne, and I've only been able to get one share of Jones, even though I've I've made more of a conscious effort to get Jones specifically. Like, I'd rather have Jones than Ken Walker, for instance, and sure. uh, it's like. I, even though I feel that way, I'm somehow never able to get it to work out. Just really frustrating. Uh, but yeah, DJ Moore too. I think, um, and I don't really believe in stacking with Justin Fields. I'm always less uh, interested in stacking running quarterbacks in general. But DJ Moore, I mean, it's almost like this this Bears offense could be a really good, ver- not really good, a much better version of the kind of thing that the Maryland offense was in DJ. I was wondering if you were going to go there. Yes. Cause they, they're going to throw, they're going to throw it 25 times and nine of those times. It's going to go to more, you know? Yeah. I mean the, t- yeah, the target share is going to be crazy. I think it, um, it'll be among the league lead leaders uh, in terms of overall targets, probably still at best probably like 20, but then he's yeah. going to be like 12 uh, receiver. Cause his efficiency is always really high. So we we had a question in the chat earlier, um, I, I think from our guy Uncle Ted about the the chances that DJ Moore ends as a uh, top fifteen receiver this year. I feel like it, it, there's a pretty good shot at that. Yeah, let me try to race through the the wide receiver ADP here real quick. Um, so he's going about twenty. It looks like that would not be a difficult jump. And all it's really gonna t- all it would really take. Uh, even if Moore doesn't play much better than expectation, even if he's kind of like the median outcome, all it takes is someone like Debo missing a couple games and then like 
three of the players in the top 15 receiver ADP having slightly worse returns than people are projecting. But I happen to think more could do something like 10 yards a target this year. It's, it's probably going to be like a 58, 62% catch rate kind of thing. I'm not expecting big PPR numbers, especially perhaps, but I really like more in half point best ball, uh, or not, not best ball. That doesn't matter. You're always starting more regardless of the format, but in half point PPR, I think he gains a little bit just because I think he's going to be such a big play guy. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a high touchdown count for his catch count. Yeah, the, a good touch. Yeah, touchdown rate. Um, so, yeah, I've, I'm I'm with you on DJ Moore. I, I've I uh, let's see. I saw because Maryland's playing Towson uh, to to start their season this weekend, and and uh, the the Big Ten uh, Twitter account tweeted out the last time that that Maryland played Towson. I, I guess it must have been DJ Moore's last year uh, in College Park, and he's just just eviscerating those poor Tigers. It was uh, it was something. Even with the linebacker throwing him passes, that's not fair. We've been there. Boy, Maryland has had, um, you know, very... Um, Storied st- university, yeah. Oh, they, they turn out some guys, but uh, for the most part, um, yeah, it's 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 rough. But, you know, the, Stephon Diggs, um, DJ Moore, and, and soon uh, Rakeem Jarrett uh, will, yeah. will have his day in Made the sun. The I, I, I spent a last round best ball pick on, on him uh, the, the other day. He could be their third receiver in the top two get hurt a lot, so... And yeah, I think he's better than Trey Palmer, straight up. So probably, but but we're we're getting uh, well into. We've gone well past uh, FOMO and gone into just yeah, kind of mental illness. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Anyone else that you wish you had uh, some more shares of? Uh, I'm trying trying to. um, It's a little hard to to find it because it's like I'm looking through the haystack without knowing what I'm looking for, you know, uh, the, like the, the list of names is already the list that I picked. So I can't remember who I didn't, but how about this? I'll say one, one case where it's anti FOMO. Uh, I'm not trying to give like a hot take exactly to me. It's a very lukewarm take, but sometimes I end up in this position anyway, Tony Pollard. I have, let me see none of, and I'm perfectly okay with that. I'm seeing, uh, even from people who are, who are very smart, I'm seeing a push lately for Pollard to be like a top 12, top 15 pick. And I understand why that's happening insofar as I can see the process that's making that conclusion. I seriously question uh, the premises of that process, however. Specifically, people are kind of looking at Tony Pollard and going simply, what if he had this many more carries and this many more catches and this many more snaps? What if it just simply happened? And the reason things like that don't simply happen is because it's pending uh, satisfying certain physical realities. You know, you got you have to be able to take the workload, namely. You have to be able to actually play through that many snaps and touches. It, it takes at the very least a leap of faith, uh, a leap of faith supposing something pretty unprecedented in my opinion, that Tony Pollard... Uh, despite never having taken, you know, halfback dives in the NFL, despite only really playing running back for the last three years and playing receiver before that, and still even now having the same build that he did when he played receiver at Memphis, he's going to be good this year. But the ways that Pollard will be limited, I think, will look a lot like the ways that Travis Etienne and Aaron Jones are limited. Like, none of these guys are going over 20 carries a game. They're going to have to get by 
with big efficiency. And I think it's pretty objectively clear that ETN and Aaron Jones are more efficient than Tony Pollard. And that's with those guys getting carries other than uh, just halfback tosses and sweeps and stuff like that. Like there were plays that Ezekiel Elliott would take that necessarily lowered the yards per carry count uh, because he's going into these, these carry types that expect to get less yardage than the carries that they would allocate specifically for Pollard. So I think people are overcounting two things, the projected workload with Pollard. And I think they, they suppose an efficiency rate that will actually almost necessarily decline if only because uh, even in their own scenario, even in their own projection of this workload, he would have to be taking on those carries that Elliot once did that drive down the yards per carry. So I think you got people projecting like, you know, almost like 280 carries at 5.2 yards per carry for Pollard. I can understand why you would rank him in the first round if you're projecting that. I just think that that's not a very good projection. I think you should expect right. something more like 14 carries a game, three and four catches. And if they go over that, and if the, especially if they give him those carries that are halfback dives, you might not like what you find. So is there a backup uh, Cowboys running back that you do like? Uh, not really, because I kind of like all of them. Uh, it's just uh. that it's it's like it's just begging for a committee. Uh, Rico Dowdle seems like the next one on the depth chart, but he can't catch passes. And he's a fumbler and he's gotten hurt a ton throughout his career. He can run a little bit. I just I mean to emphasize a little bit. Dowdle has limitations as a pass catcher, but that's not to say he can take 20 carries. He can't. He can mm-hmm. only give you like 10, 12 carries and uh, maybe some blitz pickup. I don't know. But Deuce Vaughn, he's pretty clearly a problem with the football. I, I don't know how you keep that guy on the bench when he keeps doing the things that he tends to. Just the same. I think Hunter Loopke looks quite good. So huh. uh, I don't know how you keep Loopke and Vaughn off the field in the event that Pollard isn't playing, I almost wonder if you can keep them off the field, even if he is. So yeah, the, I, I guess the, the, the narrative that, that Tony Pollard is going to take like Zeke workhorse levels of, of volume, but, but maintain that the crazy efficiency um, might be a little bit misguided. People will point to like McCaffrey as an exception to the weight rule. And yes, McCaffrey is rather light to get the workloads that he has. But you'll notice at Stanford, he took like 35 touches a game. You know, he, he showed the he showed that he can pitch that many innings with yep. Pollard. We're just supposing he's going to go from 80 to 210. It's like, good luck. Maybe I doubt it, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, the low probability there. Um, let's round it out with some players that, you know, maybe maybe we, there's a little bit of uh, buyer's remorse, a little bit uh, that, of players that we wish we had fewer shares of. And, and for me. Um, like we talked about at the start of the show, I think Damian Harris at, at over a quarter of my teams, I don't feel great about that. I wish it was maybe more in the mid teens. Maybe it, it will work out. We, we, we kind of discussed how it could. Um, but the, the more time that passes, the, the less I feel confident in that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to look through, uh, I, I, I would not worry about your Harris exposure. First of all, I can understand, you know, I it's, it's easy to worry about almost anything, but as, as far as things worth worrying about go, I would put that one pretty low on the list. Like I was talking about before, I do wish I had less uh, Khalil Shakir, even though I'm more or less okay with it, but 54.5% is what happens when you literally don't keep track of uh, how many players you're picking ever. 
And uh, I just didn't realize how many times I was taking him in the 16th, 17th, 18th. As much as I don't have, you know, a per se regret about that, I do wish I had split it a little more evenly between him and Deontay Hardy, who I also was taking quite a bit. And indeed, I would take the two of them on the same team a lot. But Hardy, I only have at 18.2%. I wish I could have had maybe you know, Shakir at 35 and Hardy at 35, something more like that. So um, hopefully that's the biggest problem that I have this year. It would not be much of a problem at all, but uh, I, I do regret that. I'm trying to remember what else. Uh, let's see. I don't really see anyone else that I, that makes me wince when I look at the exposure rates, maybe uh, I've got two right here. Um, if you want to hold that thought, yeah, um, two at twenty percent. That I, I am wondering what I was thinking a little bit. Well, I know exactly what I was thinking with Jamison Williams, but in hindsight, twenty uh, percent. Uh, Jamison Williams feels not great, and Alec Pierce at at also twenty percent. Uh, Do you know what you round know? you were taking Jamison Williams in? It would have been like way pre-discount era like it, i'm talking probably like when he was going the what eighth ninth round okay yeah i mean uh, i guess i'm biased on this question because i i just kind of reject the panic around his abilities I, I think it's uh it's one thing for a player to not have ability and it's another for people to be disappointed that a player isn't meeting an unfair expectation and in this case the unfair expectation is you know why isn't jameson williams catching uh four yard slants from the slot why, why doesn't he take helmet to helmet hits and hold on to the ball that's not how you should be using jameson williams jameson williams should be out on the perimeter and downfield and toward the sideline maybe down the seam if you're putting him in the slot it's got to be down the seam you got to keep that uh keep him closer to the safeties and away from the linebackers and all that so uh it seems to me again probably being a little biased but it seems to me like the criticisms of williams are more in the line of uh we wish he was something that we sh- never had good reason to suppose he would ever be. And uh, that's not the same to me as disproving that he can't be what there always was good reason to believe. So uh, my concern there is more related to golf, I guess. Uh, I, and that's why I was a little lukewarm on Williams, even though I'm high on him as a player is because I have reason to believe Williams can threaten at a unique level down the field. But what does that really amount to if Goff's one of the worst at throwing to those areas of the field? And he is. And Goff is still bad. So, yeah, that's that's more my concern with Jamison Williams. But uh, granted, yeah, it's not looking as good for him as it did, uh, whatever, a month and a half ago. It is, I'm starting to worry whether he will ever put it together. Um, maybe he will because I, I definitely, you know, think that he was worthy of a first round pick coming out of college. I thought what he did at Alabama was uh, as a Georgia guy, uh, terrifying uh, the, the, the type of deep speed that, that he displayed. It was, it was like watching Jalen Waddle all over again. Um, so, you know, his only catch last year being the, the deep touchdown is like, yes, that's what he can do. But um, you, you can't count on that every single week. And like you said, he's not really, the type of guy that you want to just be sending into the teeth of the defense. You already have Amon Ross St. Brown to be doing that and Sam yeah. LaPorta to be doing that. Like, so, why isn't, why isn't Jameson Williams St. Brown? Why, why isn't he simply St. Brown? We like that. Um, this, yeah, I don't, I don't, I love Dan Campbell, but some of the, some of the things that he seems to expect of players seems a little disconnected to me from what 
uh, he ever had good reason to expect. Yeah. So we'll see if it works out like it again. Um, I'm probably not going to get any more shares so that this percentage will come down. And, you know, if I end up with, you know, what, what amounts to being 15% Jameson Williams by the time uh, that we hit kickoff, I'll be fine with it because the, the upside is still there. And if, if he can hit the ground running uh, once he gets back from his six game suspension, um, you know, the, it could be something that really, you know, gives you that, that rocket booster uh, during the play fantasy playoffs, especially, you know, with lines being a dome team, all that good stuff. So that could, could help. I have a couple picks that I can submit now, John, uh, yes. I have Russell Wilson on 20% of teams, so granted, that was always kind of cheap. And usually when I took him, it was because there was a run on quarterbacks and I needed to pick some backup. And uh, maybe for some reason, I'd, I don't know, maybe I had Sutton a couple times. Maybe I had Mims a couple times. Maybe something like that made me lean that way. But generally, I only took Wilson because of uh, bye week considerations as a as a quarterback, too. And even even with that, I'm still kind of nauseous. I, like, I, I guess I wish I had zero. Uh, so, uh, there's that and, uh, crap, how did I lose this screen already? Um, <laughs> I had, a, I had a second one. Oh, uh, Rasheed Rice, uh, again, not terribly concerned about this, but I have him on 36% of my teams. Usually that was going in the 13th round, I want to say. So it, it shouldn't in theory be, uh, like a catastrophic, catastrophic dud if he is one, but, to open the year, it seems like the Chiefs are pretty hell-bent on making Tony, Sky Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scantling the top three. I happen to believe they're asking for trouble the more they give Tony snaps. Uh, even Valdez-Scantling, I mean, you're, you're only going to get so many targets per snap out of him. And if, if you as an offense have to put a target projection on Kadarius Tony to make the math work, uh, you know, a, a target rate more in line with what the average starting receiver in the NFL is, that's kind of begging for uh discord, I think. And I think in the event of that discord, Rasheed Rice is pretty clearly who they go to next. Uh, so I'm not too worried about it. But Justin Ross, uh, I, I, I am not really like buying the hype so much with Justin Ross, but uh, clearly he's uh, at least healthier than he was last year. And it, it seems, you know, the, the longer he sticks with it, uh, the more we can attribute his absence, his rookie year, and even his kind of, you know, kind of week ending at Clemson, we can attribute it to injury. And if we can attribute all of that to injury, we might even have reason to believe that Ross is running and jumping better than he did at the pro day where he wasn't very good. So if Ross is getting anywhere near to what he was as a prospect before the injury, then uh, that would probably be in conflict with Rasheed Rice's projection because Moore is going to be more so in the slot. Even if they have him playing three downs, he's going to get the slot reps that are there. And uh, yeah, it's like Valdez Gantling, even though he can't give you more, many targets, he is an important structural piece for how they space the offense, how they, how they try to make the defense space itself. So there's only that Tony Avenue. And if, if, he, if uh, Rasheed Rice has to split it with Ross, then it's like, even in the event that Tony uh, falls apart, then the the theory that I had in mind for rice wouldn't apply quite as much as I thought it would when I took him. Yeah. I, I kind of, when he got drafted, it felt like he had a, a pretty decent uh, path to, to having 
if not a starting role, then like a, at least a, a relevant enough role on, on the boundary catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. It seemed uh, to make sense uh, where he was going. I have 12%. Um, I don't know if yeah, I'll I wish I had more like more. that. I think 12 mm-hmm. is a good number, but uh, I, I, I yeah. want to be clear. I think Rice is really good. And I think uh, there's a totally good chance that he has a strong rookie year. Well, we, we got X percentage of, of shares that, that are agreeing with you. Um, one more question from the chat before we head out, Mario. Um, Golfer Wilson this year. Russell Wilson. <laughs> oh man. Uh, oh god. I, I guess Wilson. Might be either. <laughs> I guess it's I guess uh, Wilson, but yeah, at this point, I, I don't know how I'm going to convince myself that I prefer Wilson over even someone like Derek Carr or uh, you know Sam Howell. So <laughs> I guess uh, I, rather than take either of those guys, I would prefer to test my luck by waiting and if i wait until something like the 16th to get howell then that works well for me and if howell goes earlier then i'm comfortable taking him honestly i just i i've fallen into the the habit of taking mac jones in the last round because I, I don't have golf projected better than jones and so if golf is going in like the 11th round and, and mac jones goes in the 18th i'd take jones every time but uh yeah, Carr, I would probably have to move ahead of Wilson at this point. And before I was taking Wilson, sort of like, oh, well, Sean Payton will sort of just that and the, the little bit of running will 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 make Wilson OK. And I'm starting to lose faith in even that much. Yeah, no, I'd, I'm with you there. Yeah, getting some some of those vibes like you're saying uh, when it comes uh, to the Broncos. Um, so, yeah, I think I think restructuring that that tier where you have golf and wilson maybe the better option is someone Even a little pick bit later it. like i think i like pick it more than those morons I, oh man i i was i was wondering if i should even say that i wasn't <laughs> sure if i was gonna get dunked on really hard it's a horrible thing to say but it needs to be said <laughs> like it look man i went to the uh, falcon steelers preseason game last week uh, the Steelers well, it's are gonna going to be ugly, but he, he runs a little bit, and if you're chucking it at Pickens enough times, you know, and and Fryermuth, it's like eventually the numbers will start adding, even if it's kind of an ugly spectacle. So uh, all those quarterbacks are going to be ugly, is the thing. Or even Howell, I think, might be a little ugly, but we definitely know Goff, Wilson, and uh, what's his name are going to be ugly. Yeah, the, the, that is uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt at this point. Uh, that's going to round things out for us here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, breaking down our best ball portfolios. Got a week or so to go, folks. So get those best ball drafts in. Uh, any FOMO chasing you need to do, go get after it. Any guys that you need to get the those share percentages down, do it to it. And we will catch you next week previewing week one. Thanks for listening. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.